Hey, Liron Hirschkorn here, host of the e-commerce mindset podcast. I just finished recording an hour plus long interview that I think you will want to listen to with Errol Evelino of bookbeau.com, a seven-figure Shopify store. Uh, We talk about his journey of starting from Kickstarter, how he met his co-founder on social media, reached out to help her and and became a co-founder in the company, how they've leveraged uh, Facebook and mostly Instagram advertising and built up a community of over 66,000 uh, followers on uh, Instagram and you know the challenges and growth that they've had in their in their business and how they've now um, you know jumped on uh, Amazon as well so we talk about a lot happening in terms of e-commerce and selling off of uh, of Amazon uh, I think you're really going to enjoy the interview it's uh, the show is sponsored by my Amazon advertising agency, incrementumdigital.com. You can email me and the link is in the show notes. We help you grow your business on Amazon. We're creating free videos uh, for our clients to be able to run video ads right now. We're able to do DSP and help you grow your business on Amazon with the power of Amazon advertising. Reach out to me through uh, email or through incrementumdigital.com. And we look forward to working with you. Enjoy this episode. I believe it's number 27 with Errol Evelino. And uh, let me know what you think of this interview. I think you're really going to get a lot out of it. Enjoy the episode. Okay, I'm really excited to have Errol Avellino with us on the show. Uh, Errol is the co-founder of BookBo, uh, which is spelled book, B-E-A-U dot com, uh, which is a seven-figure plus e-commerce brand uh, actually doing most of the business um, on Shopify. So a lot of what we talk about uh, on the show here is related to Amazon. So I think it's always interesting to bring someone that actually started, uh, took, a, took a very different path to launching products. So um, actually, uh, Arrow is the co-founder and uh, him and his co-founder actually got started with um, KickFounder. Uh, they've made their products in the U.S. and Mexico. They've done a lot of their marketing. Mm-hmm. I was uh, super impressed to see uh, you have over 60,000 followers um, on Instagram. Um, and so I want to kind of uh, talk about, um, you know, the the dynamics of partnerships launching on Instagram, uh, Kickstarter and Shopify. And then you've kind of recently made the move to Amazon. So um, welcome to the show, Errol. Uh, thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Yes, thanks. Thanks for, for coming on uh, and giving us um, some of your time. So you launched this brand three years ago. Um, um, you, were, you were starting to tell me a little bit before we got on um, how you met your co-founder and then tell us a little bit about what the, what the brand uh, sells. Yeah, so so first I'll, I'll talk a little bit about you know, what, what the brand sells and all that. We're um, really a, we started off as a book sleeve company and I say book sleeve and everyone thinks about those like stretchy book covers that you stick on your books when you're in school. Um, we're, uh, we're basically a padded sleeve that when you slip your book into the sleeve, it protects the pages from getting crushed in your bag. So uh, we started there and then have kind of developed into a, um, uh, a uh, home goods company for readers. Um, so we have all kinds of products that uh, you keep around your home. Uh, that just specifically caters to uh, people who just love their books. So um, the story behind me and my business partner, so because we actually did not meet each other in person until we had made like over a hundred grand together. Um, so that is kind of a, uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, uh, moment. Definitely. Yeah. So, and it's it's uh, it's telling of our time that that uh, that's even possible. But basically, um, I was out to uh, uh, out to lunch with my wife, and uh, she was telling me about this uh, this girl who she was following on Instagram. Her name was Benita Botello, and that's the name of my business partner. And basically, this girl uh, was in tears over the fact that people were sending her hate messages. Um, because she essentially could not keep up with the demand of her product. So uh, she, I, to me, that sounded absolutely absurd. I, I was like, I don't understand even what that means. Because at this point in time, like, I 
I had been really like going after lots of different uh, potential businesses and stuff like that. Um, and yeah. I just had well, not seen like personal Howard, success in that area. Howard, yeah, how are you making a living like at that time? Yeah, so fun fact, uh, I was a filmmaker. So wow. at the time, uh, I was actually working on a TV show, um, doing editing, and um, uh, I was doing a certain level of producing as well because it was a very small show. I was getting shot in Virginia, and there was just a lot of different components to it. So you, you basically wore a lot of different hats on that show. Um, but I was a I was an entrepreneur since. Uh, Oh, oh man, I think I, st I think my first business I launched in 2012, um, mm -hmm. but it was specifically doing like video production stuff. So I was in and off uh, sets all the time. Uh, and this one in particular, I was on the longest of any set. Um, I was probably on this project for about a year and a half, maybe two years. So really, uh, really intense experience. And there's a whole story behind that too. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so at the time I was doing that and um, one of the things that you do a lot in the video world and, and the filmmaking world is you get, you do a lot of Kickstarters because, uh, basically a lot of your creative projects, the only way they'll get off the ground is if you can launch them on Kickstarter. So I already knew that the, one of the hardest things to kickstart was movies. And I was like, literally anything else other than movies is like a million times easier. Uh, cause basically you're giving somebody a physical good and people already get that. Right. Like they already understand the process of pre-ordering stuff. Right. So, there's no, there's no, there's a certain level of sort of the gratification when somebody gets something in the mail as opposed to like, yeah, fund, funding some, some movie that may or may never come out. Right. Yep. Exactly. And there's a, a we, we value things more than we value content because content is abundant, but things, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, our experience with them is that they cost something, you know, mm -hmm. um, whereas our experience with content is most of it's free. You know, mm -hmm. think about how you think about shows on Netflix, like you're 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 choosing between which show you really want to watch and whether or not you even want to commit your time to it. So it's almost like you're paying the show something by spending your time on it. Um, Man, it's better for you to show up. I should be charging for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Yeah, there you go. It's free, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. See, exactly. There you go. I'm sorry. I thought you were like. Saying that you would need to, you're gonna, you're gonna charge, uh, you need to charge uh, users and so. Oh no, you should, yeah, you should totally do that. There you go. All right, guys, I'm sorry, but now this podcast actually, you know, is gonna cost you about hundred bucks per episode. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. See, that's the thing. Exactly, uh, podcasts right. fall right into that. And unfortunately, like if you're somebody who's in the content creator world, there's got to be another way to make money. And so I've been yep. obsessed with this idea actually uh, for a long time, like leading up to. Uh, meeting Benita and I had just done so much research on you know uh, even getting into the physical products world um, because I was like I need something that people actually value because they don't value movies they don't value content but they might value products more if there's a lot of good content around it so um, yeah would you say uh, would you say obsession you know you, you you said kind of a key point right it's like you met this co-founder and you met her online but like it's not so much of an accident. You you mentioned something kind of key, right? Like being obsessed with like try with a particular, you know, goal yeah. or vision of what you're trying to do, and then suddenly it shows up in your life. Yeah, yeah, a thousand percent. That's actually, um, yeah, I, I definitely feel like that's sort of what went down. So kind of going a little bit deeper into it, uh, you know, my wife mentions this person, and at this point in time, she was making all of these products by hand. So she was selling these book sleeves. They're, again, a padded foam sleeve. Um, and she's making all of them by hand, sewing them herself, and then putting out as many as she can on Etsy. So uh, I already could see right away. I was like, all right, well, she just needs to stop making them by hand. She needs to get a manufacturer. So um, you know, I got, uh, uh, I, I got on the phone with her. Uh, we reached out and basically were just like, hey, um, we, uh, and this is, this me and my wife both approached her because for whatever reason, I was just like, it might make more sense if my wife was also in on this too. Cause you know, uh, she, she's the one who's really like following her and really gets, uh, this, this world. Cause at this point in time, uh, I was not familiar with the fact that there is literally a whole community of people 
uh, who are, they call themselves uh, bookstagrammers, where basically all they're posting about is books that they're reading. Um, you know, if you ever see a, a, a bookshelf loaded with uh, books that are organized by the color of the book, uh, and you see like this like rainbow looking bookshelf, like that, then you know you've reached bookstagram. Um, so I was not familiar with the fact that this community existed. Um, and my wife was because she's an avid reader. So we both got on this call and um, uh, Benita apparently had already had somebody reach out to her um, and basically say like, hey, I really love to like invest in you because uh, I think he probably saw the same uh, very emotional video that we did. And it's like hard to not move uh, when somebody is essentially calling out for help. Uh, but then also as a business person, you see like, dang, there's that much demand. And honestly, this problem is something that is very fixable. You just need to do right. X, Y, and Z steps. Now, right. the steps that he pitched her was a very classic, like, all right, we're going to do this, this, and this. You're going to give you this amount of your company. Um, and it was sort of very cut and dry. This is the deal I'm offering. Whereas for me, and I feel like this is kind of a lesson in... Um, how you find business partners. Cause at this point in my life, I don't know that I would ever do a business without a business partner. I know a lot of people who will never touch a business with a business partner. For me, I kind of find the opposite. Um, and I, I feel me like, too, by the way. okay, nice, nice on, on my side, not the other side. On your, on your side, I would not do a business without the right partner because I've learned from success and failure and I've learned at what I'm good at and what I need. Copy. Yep. No, exactly. And I know, I know precisely what I'm good at and I know precisely what I'm terrible at too. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the things that they say is that you need to find that, that opposite of you. You need to find that strength. But one of the things they don't talk about is, you know, all right, well, how do you go about doing that? Uh, and I think part of that comes from the fear that if you pitch the wrong person, then you're screwed. Well, mm-hmm. I, I kind of pitch this and this is one of the things that I think um, uh, our mutual friend, Greg, um, uh, has heard me talk about, um, but basically, uh, I, I have this idea that you need to date your business partner first, uh, mm-hmm. before you ever commit to them. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's essentially what we did. So, um, when I reached out do you, to her, do you think that was in hindsight, that was, do you still think that's the way to go? Thousand percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I probably would not do anything different than I would have just perhaps, um, done it quicker. Like I, I think there were some areas where I drug my feet a little bit, um, but I would actually do it quicker. So what we ended up doing is um, I, I reached out to her and I, the thing I pitched to her was, you know, Hey, you know, let's just partner on launching uh, your Kickstarter. All right. Because I was like, look, I think that all you need is a little money to get yourself up off the ground and uh, you know, approach the right manufacturer with essentially all of this demand that's been pent up. Um, mm-hmm. So I pitched her that idea and essentially the terms were, um, if we if the Kickstarter fails, you know, I get I get zero dollars out of this. I, if the Kickstarter fails, I get zero dollars out of this. Um, if the Kickstarter is successful and we make just what our uh, uh, goal is, and at the time we kind of did a little bit of research and we said, all right, uh, about, 15, about 15 grand as what uh, she, would, she would need in order to uh, be, uh, be successful and, and make her first purchase. Uh, if mm-hmm. it was successful, then I would again get zero dollars. Um, if it blew it out of the water, like if it was, um, if it was awesome um, and we did, you know, like uh, I think it was like 20 grand or 50 grand or uh, I, forget, I forget what the number was where things start to go up, but I would actually get 20% of campaign. Uh, and then, uh, there was a couple areas where uh, it would cut, it would it would kind of go up in increments. So at one point I get ten percent, and another point I get twenty percent. Um, so just so the, yeah. just of the campaign, not not the overall sort of business. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that way, uh, if she wanted to uh, just go on and and you know, if she wanted to just take the money and continue to do uh, her business on her own as she's as she had done kind of up to this point, then she totally could. Um, and I wouldn't be hurt. You know, I would literally, uh, I get to walk away with whatever 20% of uh, our, you know, uh, our success was, or, you know, if it just made enough, then I didn't do a good enough job 
So then, you know, she, she could still walk away, be, be good. And I would just, you know, I would see that it wasn't the opportunity that I was looking for. Cause for me, it needed to hit well over 15 K in order for right. me to feel like, Oh, there was a lot of good demand there. Right. Right. Um, and obviously it must've because we're in business together. So the end of yeah. that story, the end of that story is that we ended up doing hundred uh, K in that uh, Kickstarter. And that's how we end up making hundred K together before we ever met each other in person. Wow. Um, yeah. We ended up meeting each other in person in New York uh, a couple months later. And it was just so bizarre because you, you we went through this big thing. We had this huge celebration because we hit our goal that we hit that first 15 K in about an hour and a half. Um, wow. And then the rest of the campaign just continued to, to go up. And we probably were, uh, we, we, the, the campaign itself finished at uh, like 91 grand at the end yep. of 30 days. But then shortly after, uh, you know, we had uh, this thing called Backer Kit. And Backer Kit does, allows people to add more things onto the order if they'd like. And we got an additional nine, nine grand of orders through that as well. So. Wow. That's, uh, that's amazing. So you, you, you know, put a goal out of 15,000, you, you had 91. What would you say, you know, a lot of people who I've spoken to about Kickstarter and Kickstarter experts say you really need to build the audience ahead of time. Right. And built up this sort of pent up demand for like a pre-launch and then, and then get a lot of people to participate in a short amount of time to sort of push the Kickstarter mm -hmm. algorithm to show your, your offer to more your campaign to more people. Yeah. Um, is that pretty much what you did? I mean, what, how long was that process from the time you had the idea to actually launching, uh, la yeah. you know, launching on Kickstarter? Yeah. So this is going to be deceptive because um, the, everything you said is true. Um, but we launched our Kickstarter campaign. Uh, I, I pitched the idea to Benita um, uh, sometime in, I want to say uh, beginning of March or maybe it was February. Um, and three weeks later we were launching the campaign. Um, Bam. Yeah. So uh, what the like accepted knowledge is around Kickstarter is that you have to like uh, do a sort of a pre campaign for about three months before mm -hmm. uh, you actually mm -hmm. launch. And what the, what the goal is with all of that, and there's no magic number, but that's something people find that that's roughly enough time. Um, and that's sort of the minimum. Uh, but what they're trying to do is they're, they are trying to build up that demand so that on day one, uh, they, there is a big spike. And all that mm -hmm. does, all that does is that when you see a campaign that only has made 1% of whatever the goal is, um, let's right. say the goal was our 15K. Um, actually, let's make the numbers super easy for me. Let's say it's 10K. Um, right. And you know, you only see one percent uh, of that is funded. That's you know, a hundred bucks into a ten thousand dollar pool. It suddenly looks really bleak. Um, right. But uh, the moment you see, oh, there's five grand already in there. You know, it's already halfway there. Well, uh, all of a sudden, you feel more inclined that this is a guarantee that this is going to happen. Uh, and so more people want to jump aboard. It suddenly has this momentum that carries it through. And that momentum builds excitement. Uh, and that excitement just continues to compound on the momentum. So, yeah, there's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of uh, good thoughts and research out there about why all that stuff is true. But so even just as like a lame person... You know, if you show up to a party that's pretty empty, uh, you know, right. it's a lame party. But the moment right. you see that it's a full house, all of a sudden you're like, this is the best party ever. And it had more to do more than anything else that a bunch of other people are involved. A bunch of other people showed up. Right. So so and so that's one part of it is is the social the social proof. The other part is the sort of algorithmic kickstarter showing this to more people because it seems like it's popular and people are interested in it right yeah. that's sort of like the yeah, other, that's, the certain, other that's certainly of one it. part that's certainly one part of it i think that for us when we when we look back on the metrics it the people who were just kickstarter people who found it organically really didn't push us much further ahead like they it wasn't a big portion of well, our of our people 
Um, was it mainly like Facebook, Instagram ads that you so, that worked? Yeah. So uh, it was actually, so I would say that there was two, there's two really big things. We did do uh, some Instagram uh, and Facebook advertising, but the reason that was successful is because of uh, what we did uh, uh, essentially pulling in uh, influencers. So mm. um, ahead of time, you know, we had already, I already knew that Benita had these relationships uh, and that's part of the reason why the demand had, had built to what it was. So just to give some context, Benita had been selling these things uh, and doing this for probably about, that wasn't quite a year, uh, but it was about mm -hmm. like seven, eight months. Um, and when, uh, when she started making these, she started also sending them out to people who had pretty big followings. Um, so when people would receive mm -hmm. these uh, book sleeves, they would use them, love them. She put no pressure on them to uh, advertise them or anything like that. Uh, she was just like, I just want to have like a relationship with you and I want to give you something. Um, so uh, they, she built more friendships than anything uh, with those people. Right. So when she launched this campaign, um, you know, they were ready to go. Like, and, and they pushed pretty heavily like, hey, guys, you know, you were complaining that you couldn't get those book sleeves. Well, here they are over here. You can go get them now. Um, right. So all those people showed up. Uh, and so the thing that we did with our uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram advertising on the advertising side of things, we, we set up a redirect page. So uh, everybody who was pushing this campaign, we told them, hey, go push, uh, go push people to bookbo.com. Um, and we gave them a really easy URL to send people to. There wasn't a bookbo.com at the time. At the time, right. it was literally just a blank page that redirected people. And there was a Facebook pixel on there. And so once they went through that, you know, we suddenly had this like uh, big audience of people who we so could target. Yep. So basically the main thing that we did with those ads is we, uh, we did a lot of, we did a lot of retargeting, keeping it in front of people. Uh, when the campaign uh, uh, was coming to a close, we made sure to remind them like, Hey, uh, this is, this is coming to a close. You better, you better jump on. And I think we spent right. about, uh, six grand uh, on ads total. Wow. So Very little, yeah, not much at all. And, yep. and how did you, how did you, were the, were the influencers incentivized or was it just, no, relationships? it was just relationships. And that's, that's, uh, I think, I think too often people think that they have to incentivize people in order to get anybody to do anything for you. Um, but if all you've done is create a really solid relationship with somebody, then they're willing to show up for you. Uh, even if there's really nothing on the table and sometimes they'll show up for you even more because they just like you. Uh, whereas if right. it's about the incentive, well then they're weighing the incentive against whether or not it's worth it for them. Right. Right. It's just the power of human connection and, and, uh, and relationships. And, you know, if she had already been part of that sort of community of people that are, uh, I think you said you said bookstagrammers, right? Yep. Um, then you know she's she's already she's already built up sort of that uh, relationship capital. Yeah. To be yep. to be able to 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 leverage that, and at the same time, in a sense, there those influencers are also offering something really cool of value that their readers would like, right? So it's yep. not like they're it's not like they're only doing a favor. If I can, you know, if I can show something to people that I think they would value, then yeah, I'm, that I'm giving them value too by showing them that offer, right? Even if it's yeah. a paid, even if it's a paid product, paid offer, right? So there, there is there is a level of uh, sort of incentive that they're getting by actually doing the right thing for their audience and showing them cool stuff that they've come across, right? That's yep. that's that's a lot of what influencers do, right? Influencers do they add they add value to people's lives by showing them showing their audience things that they want, and so. They may, like you said, they may not need incentive, especially if you've taken time to build relationship. You've sent them a product six months ago, and yeah, I think I think there's a lot to be said to playing the long game. Something, yeah, you know, I, I've spoken a little bit about in in the podcast, like playing the long game, like build build relationships because those are, you know, not because you can cash in, because it's good, it's just good practice, and yes, like things will come back to you as a result of building those uh those long-term uh those long-term relationships so um so awesome so so you did ninety one thousand, and did she did 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 um benita sort of 
invent this concept as a as you know a book sleeve obviously some yeah. looks like looks like there've been you know a bunch of copy yeah uh, products that are out there now and like you know do you are you just like you're the market leader so you kind of ignore the competition and yeah. you can price <laughs> you, you can price higher yeah. and you don't really pay attention to that i i saw well here uh, let me let me hit that let me hit that real quick yeah so yeah. when when uh the whole story behind even the creation of the product is that Benita had a she she had been a part of this community um, and she was just a follower. So she had been following all these influencers that she would later become friends with. Um, and you know now we actually have some really great relationships that it's just like man, like how are we even talking to these people? Um, and she uh, uh, she had been following these people. And going to signings, that's, that's probably like one of the staples of the community that's kind of around us is just, you know, they, they not only get the book, but they go to uh, different signings and stuff to actually meet the authors and ask them questions. Um, and she took her book to one of these signings and got it signed and brought the book home. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, she opens her bag to find that the pages got jacked up. Uh, on the yeah. on the trip back, so it it's just one of those things where this is a very relatable experience for people who have a book that they really want to like keep in in good condition, especially if it's signed. Um, you know, there's uh, there's some there's some uh, there's some value there, but it's also just like just a little bit of a you have an emotional attachment to the book, so it's just getting mm -hmm. it crushed is like pretty, right. pretty devastating. So she looked right. around to find if there was like a uh, you know a way to protect your books that somebody's already come up with and everything she found was just not it wasn't actually what she was looking for because none of it none of it protected the pages themselves it just protected mm -hmm. the outside cover um and it it, it had uh, it was that really thin material um so it just seemed like it was getting by it wasn't actually doing the job that she wanted so she out of this is totally like like thinking about it now after having known her for so long um, it feels weird that like she she jumped on like this uh, this idea so hard that she actually went out to buy a sewing machine and take a sewing class uh, and mm -hmm. like sew it up. She has she has hobbies that she gets really into, but this one is just like man, like what even made you think to like that you were actually just gonna like sew it and make it yourself? But that's what she did. She went out, got a sewing machine. Uh, uh, made she was it. passionate. Yeah, right. Like she, yeah. She was passionate about she, solving she had a problems. vision. She was like, this is, I'm going to make this thing. Like I got this idea in my head. So she went through several different versions, finally got the right one. Um, after a bunch of uh, failed attempts, started sending it to friends. Um, and she had no idea that she was going to be turning this into a business in her head. This was literally just, you know, her like rolling into a hobby. Uh, and, and I think that there's there's a lesson to be learned there about how you know uh, sometimes uh, just like paying attention to uh, what people are getting excited about around you because she mm -hmm. she wasn't alerted to the fact that this could be a real business until she started sending it to people and that demand suddenly started to show up. People were like giving her a reaction to this product that just said, "Hey, this is something that's valuable." Um, yeah. I think sometimes we jump the gun on things that we think are going to be valuable to people without ever actually validating it uh, for people. Absolutely. And, there, you know, there, there's this idea of, like, you solve a problem for yourself. And if you have a particular problem, then there's yeah. 50,000 other people that yeah. have the same problem. You know, I listened to uh, Derek, Derek Sivers. I don't, I don't know if you've uh, heard of him. Yeah, yeah so, so Derek Sivers started uh, a company. He's a musician. Um, and in the early, I guess, 2000s or like late 90s, 2000s, he, you know, decided to put up his music uh, CDs on a website. And then his musician friend started saying, hey, can you put my CD on, on your site, too, and sell it for me? And, you know, I'll pay you a commission. Um, and he didn't know he was. And he ended up starting a company called CD Baby mm, and sold it, yeah, for, you know. Uh, yeah, so so ends up selling it for twenty million plus or, or something like that. Uh, also, crazy story is all that money went into a charitable trust. Uh, you know, he's living only off the income of it and giving it all away uh, to music and, and stuff like that. But um, basically, you know, very similar, very similar story of just like solving your own problem, sharing it with some friends. People are like, "Hey, uh, can you help me with this? I like this." You know, give you feedback on it and 
um, yeah, paying, paying attention. So, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of lessons, uh, you know, here being, being obsessed with a goal, uh, paying attention, keeping your eyes open. Um, so now has, has, you know, just, um, has COVID sort of been, have you seen an up or downtick? Because I would think in some sense, people aren't sort of traveling, putting their books in a book bag, you know, as much going to places, or have you seen like, you know, e- just a gen- you know, there's sort of been this general upswing in e-commerce. Um, how has that affected yeah. your, your business? Yeah. So it's, it's been an uptick. Um, and uptick. part of that is because uh, the book sleeve is no longer like our only product. Um, we've mm-hmm. still seen like our, our sales on book sleeves have slightly gone up. Um, mm-hmm. But, and part of that is because people are, they're reading more. They're they're taking more time for themselves to to grab yep. a book, um, mm-hmm. but then we also have another product that's a reading pillow, uh, which gets you comfortable reading in any position at your home. So if you're an avid reader, uh, you might get familiar with sitting on the couch trying to hold your book, and it just it, you never can get quite get comfortable with the book in your lap, uh, with you know laying on your side uh, holding the book, like you're always mm-hmm. moving into different positions. This pillow literally at any position that you feel comfortable reading in will make that position a thousand times more comfortable. And um, that's the, the reading pillow. Yeah, it's called the reading bean on our, uh, on our site. Um, I describe yep. it as a reading pillow just to give people like quick context. But um, yeah, if you look it up, it's a uh, reading bean. But basically that product uh, has, has skyrocketed uh, in demand just because uh, so many people are at home reading uh, and they're trying to get comfortable. They, they already see what they already see what I'm talking about when it comes to trying to find that good position. So, yep. And, and so you, you then transition from, from, you know, Kickstarter to, um, to Shopify. Uh, I, and I, I know you, you mentioned to me, you're just starting to sort of also get onto Amazon. So how do you yeah. sort of continue that momentum? And, you know, I know there's probably a lot of people that have tried, you know, Facebook ads and Shopify store conversion rates are obviously not what you're going to get on like an Amazon marketplace type mm-hmm. type and, and, um, and really building that social media, you know, the 60,000 plus followers on, on Instagram. How does that, does that kind of come over from as a result of the, of all those people who bought through, kickstarter and you get their emails and you kind of market to them and um yeah and, and how, how, do you, how do you make those ads that you run profitable you're not selling a super you know you're not selling a super high price product right so you have to you have to convert at a decent rate in order to be able to make the advertising work yeah so right now our ads to our uh website uh we we average about a 4x return on ad spend um wow. and part of that is you, you know, getting people to, uh, you know, not just buy one product, but buy more than one product. Um, but the other, kind of the other side to that is, um, you know, we, it's our product is really easy to communicate the value. Um, so I think sometimes people, sometimes people skip that part. Like, um, it's not so much, uh, it's not a complicated product. Like when I put together a video or when I put together an image ad, you know, one of the first things I think about is, um, is if somebody who's never seen this product before, if they saw this, would they quickly connect how this is going to be a benefit to them? Uh, and we do that in the copy. We do that in the, uh, in the image and in the video. And um, something that kind of helped us with what makes that connection for people is we, we, we did a lot of um, uh, events where we would go to an event like um, there's an event in New York called BookCon. Um, mm-hmm. and lots of readers go to this event. It's probably one of the biggest book conventions in the world. Um, and it, uh, uh, we, we had a booth there and people would come up to the booth. Uh, we'd ask them, you know, have you ever heard of book book before? They'd be like, nah, I never heard of book book before. And we're like, all right, cool. Well, this is what it is. Basically, uh, when you, uh, take your book with you and, uh, you don't want the pages to get crushed while it's in your bag, you just slip it into this book sleeve, uh, and it keeps your pages safe. And we, right. there's like this little motion that I would do where I'd pick up the book and I'd slip it into the uh, book sleeve and I'd just show them that, that one little movement and then I'd hand it to them and I'd let them touch it. And there was something about that whole experience that immediately I would see their face click. And some people, it clicked faster than others. And I'd pay attention mm-hmm. to at what point that clicked. 
And really, mm -hmm. uh, it was the getting the book to in the in the book sleeve. Uh, just going from that one motion, the book is now not in the book sleeve. It's in the book sleeve. Once they saw it go into the book sleeve, and they saw that there's no way for those pages to uh, uh, essentially come undone or anything like that, and they saw that it was like like a pocket for the book. All of a sudden, they got it. They were like, "Oh wow, yeah, that would work." Because each of them had the problem that I'm talking about, where your pages get and I, I it's funny. It's like I um I would actually say this. I'd be like, "Yeah, sometimes sometimes my pitch was, uh, you know, just so your pages don't get forcefully dog-eared." Uh, they had mm -hmm. that problem. They would they would literally have their pages forcefully dog-eared by whatever else was in their back. So I just right. paid attention to you know what it is that the problem is that your audience has, um, and what is it going to take? What do they need to see from you to prove to them that this is the this is the solution to that problem? Um, so uh, that's what that's what we always try to do with our videos. Um, sometimes even a simple video of just like a, a, a looping uh, video where somebody sticks the book into the sleeve, pulls it back out again, like. Sometimes even that's enough to just get people to see, hey, you slip your book into this, it's going to be protected. Um, so the, um, uh, the, the, the way we kind of look at our marketing, because I'm going to kind of go back to your question. Your question is pretty, pretty broad. Um, the, and I, I think that there's a, a very specific path I can possibly take you down. Um, mm -hmm. there's, uh, there's a couple different things that you see when you look up you see our Instagram following. It's at like, I don't know, actually can't. I think it's like 65 right now, or is it? Um, 60, 66. 66, copy. Oh, yep. Go us. Um, yep. So uh, there's, uh, you see you see that, and that's where uh, a lot of our community, we, we've, we've worked to kind of build our community there. Um, and then you also see, um, you know, we're, we're on track to do uh, 1.2, 1.3 million. Uh, this year in sales and all of that is really coming from our Shopify store. Um, so the community is what gives us the trust seal that most people I think get from Amazon. Uh, right. Cause one of the things you, you mentioned was, yeah, the conversion rates on, um, a, uh, on an Amazon store, you know, tend to be higher. Uh, and the reason being is because people trust Amazon. They don't necessarily think about the seller. They just think about right. Amazon and they, they trust Amazon. They trust Amazon's going to get it to them. Uh, and, and the and the reviews, right? And, and right, right, right. All the all the and, and you have the credit card locked in there, right? Like all those elements, one, one click shopping, right? All the things that make it super easy, fast shipping, right? All that that make it super easy. Uh, Copy. For, yep. For, yep. for for customers, but you're saying you develop sort of your own moat or arsenal of social proof, in a sense, right? Through through building community. Right. Yeah. That's the biggest thing that we lean into. Um, even more than like some other things that we've added to our store is the ability to pay through PayPal, the ability to, um, you know, use uh, Apple Pay and other alternative methods of payment. Um, and, uh, you know, in addition to all that stuff, which I do think makes that checkout process so much smoother. Um, definitely. Uh, uh, we, we, we've seen little upticks each time we added another piece to that to that pie. Um, but then the, the trust from our, our people. So we make sure that, um, you know, people can see the massive community that's behind us. Um, mm -hmm. so whether that's, you know, when, and our biggest business is on Instagram. So when we run our ads, one of the things I'm looking at, I'm running them on both, both places, both Facebook and Instagram. But when I look at the metrics, it's the stuff on Instagram that really shows up. I think part of that is people actually go and click on, uh, the uh, the Instagram account and see that there's a lot of social proof behind it. There's actually a community right. behind this. Um, and we often try to show like pictures of uh, people actually using the product on Amazon or using the product uh, on our uh, uh, Facebook or our uh, mm -hmm. our website as well. So yeah, and so any sort of tips like what is it? I mean, do you have to run a bunch of paid ads to build to build a community, or is it mostly? commenting one other people joining the conversation working with influencers yeah. like if you had to give sort of a few tips to somebody who you know they have you know 200 followers but they know they should you know or they they could have you know more yeah yeah, yeah. I, it's so funny um uh, this is something i like talking about the most because i think audience building is what 
people come back to the most when they talk about like where they get stuck. Um, mm -hmm. They they get the idea. Um, they're like, yeah, no, I need to be on Instagram or I need to be on. Uh, now it's TikTok, um, but they they hear a lot of different hacks about how to get it done. Um, honestly, I think it's literally just as simple as you know you can you can post regular content there, but if you're not dialoguing with people, then yeah, mm -hmm. you're not going to see much traction. Um, and I think the I think the biggest thing that we did because um, before our, me and Benita met, she actually had ten thousand followers on Instagram, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and she's not like a super savvy social media uh, guru. Yeah. Uh, right. She, she uh, on her personal uh, Instagram account, she only has six hundred followers. I have more followers than Benita uh, on her uh, personal Instagram, uh, mm -hmm. and the um, uh, the reason behind that is because she uh, what she did with Bookbo was she gave uh, so much product away to uh, influencers, just connecting with people, um, which then made them feature the product. And you know, again, if it's a genuine relationship, you know, it's right. about whether or not they got paid to feature uh, you, you know, it's more about, all right, you know, did you, uh, do you have a solid relationship with them? Uh, and, you know, do they just want to feature you? So I think part of it is, is just going out and connecting with those influencers, starting small and building genuine relationships with people. Um, yeah. I, I think giveaways are a great way to partner with people and start those relationships too. Um, mm -hmm. so, but I think probably some of the biggest things that we've done, uh, are give away a lot of product, uh, again, have like earnest conversations with people. If you've never read the book, uh, seven habits of highly effective people like that, that by far, I think is one of the best pictures of what I mean when I say build genuine relationships, because every relationship that we build, uh, it's, it's a win-win relationship. We don't let people uh, let us take advantage of it. Like if they, right. if they come in with a, uh, a weak proposition on their end of things, which sometimes people do, they might be insecure about uh, what it is they have to offer in this relationship. But if you want that to be a long-term relationship, you don't let them do that. You actually are like, Hey, like, I think this would be a better win-win for you and for us. Uh, if we structured this like this and right. uh, when people see that you're actually trying to take care of them, you know, uh, it, it changes the game for how they then operate in that relationship. Now they're looking for things that they can do to also take care of you. I mean, it's very much the same philosophy you use to become the co-founder of this business, right? You yeah. approach, you, you know, approach Benita with, hey, let me help you with Kickstarter. And by the way, if it doesn't perform, I don't get anything, right? Like, yeah. you know, you didn't come in saying, hey, if it does this, I want X of the business or this or that. You just said, Hey, you know, I'll take part of the fee if it, you know, blows the numbers. Right. And that's like a very reasonable way to approach something. And it, you, you obviously added a lot of value and um, you know, that uh, ended up in you, um, you know, co-founding sort of the official launch of the, uh, of the company, which is, uh, which is awesome. Right. So it's like really approaching things from kind of like a, you know, I think a lot of times people in business think like, if I win, you lose, you know, uh, kind of kind of mindset. And I think you can come into an approach in doing business that like everybody wins. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, um, so um, so uh, let's let's um, let's finish off on talking a little bit about partnerships. Um, you know, what are like what are the challenges and, and do you find I mean, it seems to me from what from your the conversation that both of you are sort of creatives, right? Yeah. Like you are you are in film on the creative side. Obviously she went and like bought, you know, a sewing machine and created this product and had this idea to create the product. Um, would you say there's sort of, you know, and, and I, I know in my own business that um, there's sort of a benefit to sort of having uh, what, I, what I say is sort of opposite or at least skill sets that, one person doesn't have any other and there, there could be some crossover, but opposite skill sets, but like a shared mindset and vision is really mm -hmm. what you need. W would you say in your business, you're more of the sort of, um, I don't know, one, one is more of a builder. One is more visionary. One is more operations. One is sort of like marketing. Like, yeah, is there that, that, yeah, thing that needs to happen? Right. Yeah. And that is what, ha that is what has happened. So 
basically, uh, right now, the way our business is, um, at this point, her and I, so kind of post uh, uh, the Kickstarter, her and I uh, decided, hey, we do want to work together. Um, and what we found in our working together was uh, that she was really good about thinking about you know, operational things. We're both creatives, but she was more thinking about the tactile nature of things. So, you know, uh, will this when this physical good shows up, when is it going to be here? Um, are we actually going to have enough resources to manage it? We actually did all of our uh, fulfilling. I mean, to this day, we, we, we've done all of our own fulfillment. Uh, and that was partly because she wanted to have that level of control over that. Uh, mm -hmm. And now we're, we've kind of scaled up to the point where actually now we're moving away from that. And we're actually going to be working with ship Bob uh, on mm -hmm. fulfillment. But anyway, so post Kickstarter, uh, uh, we, during the Kickstarter, we realized that we each had these separate things. I, I was more on the marketing end of things. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my videography and, um, uh, kind of my background there kind of also added to that. But then mm -hmm. uh, for her, she actually had a background in like, uh, she, she worked at FedEx all the way up until she quit FedEx for doing BookBub. Book. Um, mm -hmm. so she, she had already had lots of time, uh, working with physical items, uh, and how they got from point A to point B. And so she, she just had to think about her. Yeah. Of just thinking about all the different things that are then, you know, part of that equation. So, um, we're both creative, but she tends to be more creative on the side of dealing with tactile things. Whereas, uh, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, uh making, uh, uh, digital imagery, uh, putting that out on, uh, distributing that through Facebook and Instagram. Like I'm thinking about more the marketing and sales side of things. So there are some areas where we do overlap, you know, a lot of times. So like today we had a, a meeting about TikTok and, you know, how mm -hmm. we kind of want to approach TikTok. Um, and, you know, literally we're just sitting there. Uh, it's me, her, uh, and two other people who are working with us. Uh, just passing back and forth different ideas and the ideas are coming from all different angles and we've kind of learned how we ideate off of each other. So uh, I think you can only discover that uh, about a potential business partner when you've actually done a project with them. I don't think you can see that type of synergy with somebody until you've actually done uh, a project together because a lot of times, like you're saying, it's just okay. Who's gonna be who's gonna be that uh, ideal uh, operations person for me? Because I'm the visionary. Who's that gonna be that ideal operations person for me? Um, they're just thinking about that. But there's so many other like little nuances that uh, can come into play of just how you guys work together, what your synergy is, um, right? That you might never know until you actually get in there and you know work together. And and um, you mentioned you know a couple other people. So yeah, what does the team look like? I mean, how much are you? sort of working in the business like are you running the facebook ads the the instagram ads are you doing this you know who's doing like social media and yeah. like do you have do you have some team members do you outsource to like a bunch of you know freelancers and contractors like what does that look like you know for you know for seven figure uh shopify business i know on the on the amazon side i would say a lot of sellers you know are single sellers with maybe you know, a few VAs or sometimes one or two sort of in-house employees kind of like at that level. And then, and then maybe a team, you know, another, another, uh, some VAs and maybe outsourcing some work to, you know, agencies or, yeah. uh, freelance freelancers, et cetera, to, to work with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, uh, we, one of the things I really enjoy is, um, uh, doing things collaboratively, collaboratively with people. I think that's why I got so drawn into the film world. Uh, so uh, we did not hesitate to start hiring people. So we actually have three full-time uh, employees. And then we have, uh, they're most, they're almost full-time. They're actually not quite full-time. Um, a lot mm -hmm. of them, I'm the actually only dude right now working in our business. Uh -huh. uh, it's all <laughs> women. Uh, and uh, they're at various stages of their lives. Uh, uh, a couple of them are moms. Uh, a couple of them are um, uh, just, you know, looking to really establish their career, and they're doing uh, some. They're they're functioning more as contractors. Um, mm -hmm. so lots of different, lots of different uh, personality types and stages of life. But basically, yeah, three employees. Uh, we have, um, and those employees, uh, one has been doing our fulfillment for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. Another one is a uh, project manager, um, and um, 
a third one in there is, oh man, oh, customer service. So the customer service has been a funny, uh, a funny relationship for ours because that was the first thing that we outsourced was customer service. And um, it's probably been one of the areas where we've had like the most, uh, like people graduate, keep graduating from that role. So right now we're actually in the process of looking for um, another customer service person, not to replace our current customer service person, but actually because we've had that position only occupied by one person. And it, uh, it's getting to the point where we have like so many different customer service related uh, tasks, uh, not mm -hmm. even just like requests, but just in general tasks, you know, updating people's orders, just doing all of these different like, um, uh, uh, items that it's starting to become more than just a, uh, one person job, uh, including, you know, commenting, uh, when people comment on social media and stuff like that. Uh, right. So, and then some of our contractors are, we actually have, uh, designers who, um, they design, uh, the book sleeve artwork. Uh, mm -hmm. and, um, uh, we have a, a girl who she runs our social media and a lot of our marketing she is officially our marketing manager, but she works for us as a contractor uh, mm -hmm. and does a lot of the uh, 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 social media managing uh, type roles, uh, runs our promotions, stuff like that. And then I come alongside her and basically do all of the uh, media buying and um, you know paid advertising stuff, some of the, some of the more uh, technical items. Um, and then recently, we started working with a couple of my friends from the film industry. Uh, and have been working on producing more video content. Um, mm. That's been a lot of fun. Nice. That's uh, that's that's awesome. So, um, I guess to to finish off, you know, you this business. I see the first Instagram post. I went all the way back. Nice. While we're talking, um, and I see was you know, 2016, right? So yeah. like, definitely something that you know Benita stuck with. You didn't meet her until you know. Bro, a few, I guess, a few years ago, but this is now that that post is now going back, you know, four years. Yeah. Um, so, any advice for for somebody who, yeah, may have may may be in their sort of early stages, or you know, or they're on Amazon and they kind of want to ramp up their their offense. I, I would say the majority of the people listening to this have you know ninety percent plus of their sales happening on Amazon, and they would love to not have to rely sort solely on that because you know amazon has its own set of yeah. um you know challenges and it's their playground that you have to play in and um and issues while, while it can also be very beneficial um you know i think i think a lot of people listening to this would love to have a, a more percentage of their sales happening um off amazon than they currently are what what advice would you would you give people sometimes that there's, there's also the thought that, Hey, if I take off, if I take my Amazon requires a certain skill set, if I, if I take my eye off the Amazon ball, mm -hmm. um, you know, I may not have success on Shopify and my whole business will suffer as a result. So any, any advice to those that kind of want to ramp up their, their off Amazon sales? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So you, you mentioned a couple of things there. One of these you just mentioned was, um, you know, that your Amazon sales might suffer if you, you know, start dividing up and, you know, uh, focusing on getting an off Amazon platform. Yeah, don't let that happen. Um, one of the things that um, I, there's lots of people who come to me for advice on like leaving their job to be able to become an entrepreneur. And I always tell them like, look, it's so much better to launch off of a firm foundation than it is to essentially, you know, uh, jump into the water and try to build a boat in the water. Like it's just not, it's not as easy uh, of a game. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you have a solid foundation, use that solid foundation as a leverage point uh, to launch your next move. So for people who are currently Amazon sellers, what ways can you use to automate things so that you now have more time to go into uh, building your off Amazon sales channel? Um, your, your Amazon sales should not uh, stop. Uh, you know, for the sake of starting this new channel, it should it should continue going because that's your foundation for now building right. onto this next move. So um, right. there's a there's a really good book. Um, I don't know if you've uh, are you familiar with Mike McCallowitz? Uh, you profit first. Profit first, yeah. So he wrote yeah. a book called Fix This Next. Mm. Have you read that one yet? No. Okay, Fix This Next is uh, is just as good as Profit First. Uh, mm -hmm. I love Profit First. In fact, we actually use Profit First accounting in our company. 
Um, mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Fix This Next basically lays out this framework of in what order you should be dealing with problems that inevitably come up in your business. But it's also a really great framework for how you would even build a business. Uh, priority number one, get sales. Priority number right. two, get profit. Priority number three, get operations. Priority four, scale. Uh, priority five, you know, that could be your like big, uh, meaningful, like this is our mission. Um, mm -hmm. But until you get the priorities in front taken care of, you can't move on to the next one. And when I hear that question about like, um, you know, how to move off of Amazon, you know, you've already got, you already got sales and profit probably in that equation. Mm -hmm. There's probably yep. sales and profit in that equation. All right, now get operations in place. All right, and then once you got operations in place that now make it possible to start to add more scale to what you're doing, then you can start moving on to Shopify and moving on to you know off Amazon platforms. But then the other part of your question was, you know, uh, I think you know what uh, uh, what does it look like to kind of build? I and this is what I heard, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Uh, yep. Build a brand that's outside of Amazon um, mm -hmm. versus uh, you know staying on Amazon and you know basically just you know uh, working the trust that's already there that people have for Amazon as a platform. Is that kind of uh, where you're going with that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. And, and we, we, you know, is this something? So just so I also better understand it, is this something that? Because again, I'm I'm new. I started I started the uh, I started the the opposite way that most people did. Pretty much everybody right. I know started first on Amazon, then went to Shopify. I we went backwards. So right. for somebody who's coming to well, someone's you, looking you at went, Shopify, you, I would say you went forward. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think you're the you're one of the first people to tell me that. Why do you think that? And I think that might be because, actually a good place to to kick because, off from. Because what you have is you started out with an audience. You know, you started out with a person. You started out with your own community you started out with things that that give you actually a much more solid foundation than being on amazon and somebody comes in and and you know knocks off your product and you know lowers yeah. the price and and all that right like you if you look at the two foundations if you can have success like amazon is easy right and it, to me in my mind amazon is yeah. easy or easier than having success on shopify so i think it's a great way for a lot of people to get started but if you happen to be a product person first and an audience person first. And I think you, I think you have a tremendous advantage. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think, I think a lot of the people who come to Amazon don't have any idea what product they're going to do. They they're coming for the opportunity and they reverse engineer which product opportunity will fit the, the, the data that, that exists yeah. on Amazon. Yeah. And search, that, search volume and competition. Yeah. And I think a lot of that from, from my experience, uh, hanging out with uh, Amazon folks is yep. uh, and and getting on Amazon too. I mean, we just launched uh, beginning of this month, um, yep. and uh, my experience with that, I've found that that tends to that approach tends to be more focused on the opportunities in specific products. Whereas mm -hmm. uh, when you launch your business outside of Amazon, you really do need to get laser focused on the people that you're going to serve because you have no guarantee that any one product. Is going to be the right product. Uh, right. You have to kind of base it on. All right, what do what do these people need? And once I figure out what these people need, then I can I can go make that thing and then just go sell it to them. So the first thing that you do is you go find the people that you want to serve. You start a dialogue with those people, uh, and then once you feel like okay, I I have a uh, good understanding of what your problem is. Now I'm going to go build that solution. Now I'm going to go make that product or I'm going to make a small change to an existing product uh, that better fits their need. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to, to approach that. The, um, uh, yeah. So basically now you're just bringing something to people who already know you've listened to them. They already know that you understand them. Now you're just bringing it back to them. So your first audience might literally just be a handful of people that you know. Um, it might be a community on a Facebook group. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. it's uh, a couple people you know who they might have a thousand followers or uh, you know whatever. They have a they have a group of people who are listening to them, uh, and you know they have expressed 
that their audience sees this problem and has this problem, but they don't know how they're going to, they don't, they don't have any way to solve that for those people. So right. they're looking to you. All right. Hey, if you made a product, yeah, I would, I would push it to my people. Um, so there's lots of different ways to cut that cookie. But I think when you start from the people first uh, uh, mentality, it definitely brings you, uh, brings you a lot closer to um, uh, a lasting brand. Yeah. So, so if you're on, you know, so if you're on Amazon and you know, you're selling a commodity type item, it's probably going to be very difficult because it's not a niche yeah. item, right? Like it, it may, it, that product or that, you know, will not work for you to build, to build an audience around. Right. If you're, if you're, yeah. if, you're sell, if you're selling, you know, a kitchen broom, Right. Like sort of like everybody has a kitchen, you know, a vacuum, a broom, whatever. Everybody has that. You can't niche down on that audience as opposed to if you do have a niche product like something for book readers, you know exactly kind of where where to go as far as communities. Right. And where to participate in the conversations. um, I think that's probably your starting point to start participating in those communities then maybe create your own, start putting out some content, develop a following, and then be, and then kind of talk about your products and, and, uh, and solutions, maybe run and maybe run some ads. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, towards what's, that audience. what's interesting. Yeah. What's interesting is, is that one of the things that uh, you said at the top of the call was um, people have this idea that you, you, something that you guys have pushed a lot is the long game strong idea that you're, you're trying to, uh, focus more on the long game, focus more on, yep. uh, you know, not just thinking about you know these short-term wins. And people have this idea that uh, uh, the grass is always greener on the other side. Uh, you right. know, they're on Amazon, but man, if they could only just uh, move over to Shopify, they would be able to participate in a lot more profit uh, on their products. What, but what they're not seeing is, is that there is a there is a long game there. They've connected directly into Amazon's audience, Amazon's marketplace, Amazon's trust with Amazon's audience, uh, and they right. have not actually connected to the people specifically that they're serving. So when you make that transformation, when you build that relationship, that does take some time to do. You now have the advantage of cash flow coming from uh, your your sales. You already know that people want this project or product. Uh, so, you know, going in and, and taking that long game approach, um, uh, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to take, I do what it takes to, uh, actually build this relationship with people. Um, that, that's, that's the switch mentally that you have to have. Uh, you now have the tools and resources to be able to do it because you actually have sales. Uh, so now you just have to go out and actually take the time, uh, to do it. Right. Absolutely. And you, and you have to be willing to like, and you know, sort of say, Hey, I'm going to take, you know, X percent of my Amazon profits. And yeah. I'm going to, you know, right. maybe I'm going to, I'm going to hire a social media community manager or maybe, right. Like I'm going to invest yeah. in Facebook ads. I'm going to build out my website. I'm going to do all this stuff. And you have the ability to leverage. And, and on top of that, you can leverage the Amazon sales with inserts and other strategies to get people into your, into your community. Yeah. Um, which I think is all, is all, um, is all smart. Yeah, um, Errol, this was um, this was uh, awesome. Um, you know, talking here uh, over over an hour. Um, I think there's a lot of really useful, uh, useful, helpful information you found. Your story is uh, is awesome. Um, how can people connect with you? Obviously, if they're book lovers, they yeah. should uh, you know at least go spend some money on on BookBio book. Bo.com. Uh, I called it book view uh, in my early days too. When my yeah, when I first met my when I first met my business partner, I was like, yeah, so we can really help you with your book views. And she was just like, it's book bows. I was like, oh <laughs> gosh, already starting off at a great place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you know, um, it's uh, it's 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 it reads book view, but yeah, B E A U. Go out and and uh, and check out the site. Um, and I'm I'm assuming you're also on social media. They can connect with you. Yeah, um, yep. I know. You know, app book so, on everything. So sometimes yep. people come on the podcast and they also have services and they're coming out to promote. You really just kind of came to share. So super appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How how do, how do people find you on on social? Yeah. So they can find me personally. My my social media. I'm Errol A R E L uh, Avellino uh, on all my social media. Uh, I mostly spend time on Instagram. 
Uh, you know, if they ever have any questions, you guys can shoot me a message on Instagram. Uh, I will, you know, definitely get back to you. Um, and then, uh, on, if you want to follow Bookbo and everything we're doing there, it's at Bookbo. Um, and I also have a discount for your listeners. Uh, they oh. can get 20% off of an order, uh, from, uh, Bookbo. Uh, if they want to be protecting their books and keeping their pages from getting crushed, or if they want to get a pillow that is ridiculously comfortable and makes reading amazing. Yeah, I think I'm going to get one of those uh, one of those reading pillows. I, I, I like the product. Um, okay, what's the, what's the code for them to to get a discount? All right, so I'm going to make it your first name. So it's going to be oh, Leron. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be L- Leron. L A R A N. Yeah, A N. Uh, Leron twenty, and that'll get them twenty percent off uh, their entire order. So. Okay, cool. I'm going to put that in the show notes too. Uh, Liron, L-I-R-A-N 20. Uh, I don't get an affiliate fee or, or anything. I just want to, uh, you know, people to check out the product and, and hopefully uh, give you some support and, and use it. And uh, shout out to Greg Johnson, who made uh, made the introduction. I think he had you on on his podcast, yep. uh, Love, Love, uh, Love Line for Business with uh, Greg and, and Bram. They were both on the show recently too. Uh, so really uh really appreciate you you coming on um spending time and sharing with us um and uh thank you for so, so much for uh for coming on yeah man thanks for having me this is a great conversation really appreciate it thank you so much for listening i know this was a long episode i hope you got a lot out of it Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Those of you who have uh, written reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or, or elsewhere and share this on social media. If you're not yet in the e-commerce mindset Facebook group, the link is in the show notes uh, and I will see you on the next episode of the e-commerce mindset show.